Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Well Then. Today, we are talking about a topic that I'm super excited to dive into in the first half of the episode. And in the second half of the episode, I have another one of our lovely members of the self-care space coming on to share a little bit about her healing journey and what her experience has been like, both being a member of the self-care space, what healing tools have worked for her, and some tips and guidance that she has to share with you all. But before we get into that conversation, I want to talk about a topic that I have heard come up with so many of my female clients in the past. Um, and I've seen this this versions of this conversation at least be talked about on social media a lot. So I think it's important to address um, because it can be a pretty big block in our love lives if we don't address it. And that is the difference between fairy tale love and actual healthy love. Now, before you get bummed out, I'm not saying that there can't be super romantic, passionate, fun, exciting, beautiful elements to healthy love. There absolutely are, and we'll get into that. And you should know right off the bat that I am a huge romantic. I really am. I love the idea of a meet cute. I love the whole, you know, notion of a love story and getting swept off your feet and all the elements that go into that. I think it's beautiful. And I'm honestly like love's number one fan. So I'm not here to rain on your parade and tell you that quote unquote fairy tale love doesn't exist or isn't a thing, but I really want to distinguish between the type of fairy tale love that a lot of us grew up um, buying into and being sold, essentially, hello Disney <laughs> and every rom-com there ever was, uh, versus the qualities we actually want to look for in a healthy, loving relationship. And the reason that it is so important to address this is because I've seen time and time again with so many of my clients and women in my life, and I say women, this can happen the other way around, but it is, certainly happens much more often with um straight women who date men and are caught up in this notion of what that should look like based on the fairy tales that we grew up with. And that's not necessarily to say that you're literally looking for your quote unquote prince charming. You know, most uh, adult women are a little bit more <laughs> rational and realistic than that. And they know that life isn't a Disney movie and they're not looking for a cartoon character. However, that doesn't mean that many of the narratives that we've taken in over the years haven't created this kind of false, unhealthy narrative of what dating should look like, of what it should look like to be charmed and wooed and pursued by a partner or a potential partner. And I've seen that those stories that women tell themselves can be the things that are keeping them from actually experiencing healthy and fulfilling love and getting to the point of true connection and partnership. Because when we're only looking for one specific thing, like love has to look this way and it has to feel this way, otherwise it must not be real. It, it has to be this special in this particular way in order for me to trust that it's true love. That is the narrative, the story that gets us stuck from seeing what's actually right in front of us and, and having us be blind to what could be a, otherwise a really healthy and fulfilling and deep and nurturing partnership. 
So the difference is really in the things that we think matter versus what actually matters. This is where the distinction kind of comes into play. And so fairy tale, Disney, rom-com love would teach us that the things that matter are how we meet. You know, what's our love story? How does this person look? How tall is he? How handsome is he? How pretty is she? You know, on paper, is she attractive in a way that's that's conventional conventionally appealing he or she they are there instant sparks like do you feel that chemistry right away and sparks fly and you just feel and know that this is the one and it's meant to be and that feeling like I talked about of being swept off your feet and these for many of us, even if it's subconscious, and for many people it is, it's, it's an unconscious notion that we think these things matter and we are discounting everything that's not that. And the reason why that can be important is, uh, you know, several fold. Let's talk about the how we met conversation. So there are certainly people out there who would not give somebody a chance if they met them in a particular way because they have a vision in their mind of what their meet cute moment or love story should look like. And that's different for everybody. I know dating apps are a big conversation and there are a lot of people out there who say, I don't want to meet somebody on a dating app because I don't want to say that that's how we met. I don't want that to be our story. And while there might be some validity to that, if that's the only reason you don't want to be on a dating app, it might be something to reevaluate. And by the way, I've talked about this before and I'll probably do a deep dive episode on it. I'm really not a huge fan of dating apps. I know plenty of people who have wonderful relationships and even marriages from having met on dating apps. Um, but overall, I think they've become not the best place, certainly not the healthiest place to date. And there's a lot that's wrong with them. And again, I could go into that on another episode. So I'm not advocating for dating apps. But what I am saying is if you're telling yourself that the only reason you don't want to date somebody from a dating app is because you don't like how that story sounds that like, oh, it's so boring. We, we swiped and that's how we met. Something to reevaluate. You know, for another person, it might be that they don't want to get set up. Like maybe your mom sets you up with her friend's kid and you think that sounds so lame and archaic and you're like, I don't want to be set up. I want to lock eyes at a coffee shop and, and or across a crowded room and just know that this person's the one. Those are the subconscious beliefs to start to reevaluate in yourself. What stories am I telling myself about what my love story needs to look or sound like and who am I discounting because of that? For some people, it might be friends. Like you might have really great friends in your life that could actually be potential romantic partners, but you've discounted them because they're your friend and you could never consider starting a romantic relationship or having a love story start from friendship first, even though many great relationships start from friendship first. So it's really individual. You just have to kind of look at what what that is for you and where you've been ignoring potential matches in your day-to-day -day life. Maybe it's that you don't think that you could meet somebody in, um, I don't know, let's say the grocery store. And so you're always distracted, have headphones in or you're on your phone when you're out in public and you could be ignoring really great people, great connections that way. So how we meet doesn't actually matter. It's much more about the connection that follows and we'll get into that. Um, appearance, obviously, that is a, <laughs> it's a 
tough one to talk about because attraction is very important. However, attraction can build in many ways, and physical attraction certainly is important as well, but I can't even tell you the number of people and even women that I've directly coached and worked with who, you know, they've been in a cycle of unhealthy relationships, toxic relationship patterns, where all their past partners were super hot. Like they were incredibly attracted to them. There was this intense physical chemistry. They like loved how they looked. They loved their bodies. And so the sex life was really good. And so for them in their mind, the bar is pretty high in terms of physical appearance and what this person needs to look like. However, at the end of the day, those were unhealthy relationships that they were in. And as we start to heal those patterns, they come into a more secure attachment style, they heal from their past, and they get to a place where they're ready for a healthy relationship and start dating again. <laughs> I've had so many women who will be dating a guy who they're like, it's great. Everything about it is so wonderful. He's just like not my type. Like he's not who I would have gone for in the past, or he's shorter than I'm prefer than I'm used to fill in the blank about the reason why you think he physically or aesthetically isn't your type and (laughs) somewhere down the road the more they connect with this person the more they allow themselves to be vulnerable vulnerable and open up and build a really healthy intimate connection and vice versa the more attracted they become to this person and the more they realize like, oh, wow, I actually think they're incredibly physically attractive now. I just had too narrow of a definition before of what attraction meant. And certainly there are times where the physical attraction and the chemistry is just not there and it can't be built upon emotional or intellectual connection and attraction either. I've certainly been there where a person's really great and I want to be attracted to them because... There's all these reasons why we could work, but it's just not there. And so don't force it, certainly, but just know that the narrow standards you might have been subconsciously projecting onto your dating life uh, could probably use some broadening, and that actually might really improve your your love life to an incredible degree. And this goes both ways, no matter who you date or who you're attracted to. The instant sparks thing same thing. There are absolutely people who meet their person and they say, yep, I just knew that they were the one. There was this feeling, this connection, this depth of intimacy, a richness in our relationship, and it's hard to explain, but I just knew. That absolutely exists. But a lot of the time when we feel that initial charge, that excitement, those butterflies in your stomach, and it feels really, really kind of kinetic and electric, and feels like there's sparks flying, that's not actually a signal of it being the one. It's usually a signal of our deeper wounds in the realm of love getting triggered. It's more anxiety (laughs) than it is excitement, but we mistake it because there's all these reasons we think this person is the one or we want to make them into the one. And so then we ignore red flags because we felt those sparks. We felt that initial excitement. And that can definitely be a recipe for disaster. I've certainly been there before and I've seen so many clients go go there before as well. So when you really understand your own patterns and your own past, you know the difference between what safe, healthy connection feels like from the onset uh, and what the uh, electricity of your past wounds being touched upon feels like. 
and it takes some time and nuance to figure that out. And it can also take time to build a connection with somebody. And as you do build a safer and safer connection, then you feel more chemistry, more charge, more sparks flying. And that's a beautiful thing because it's built on a more solid foundation. And I'd say the same thing goes for sweeping off your feet. Um, I've talked about this in episodes before, but if you're having the experience of being love bombed, like this person is going above and beyond to include you in their life and to make you feel loved and to do everything to create and force a slow, close sense of connection right off the bat, while that can sound very romantic, it's often... Um, an unhealthy tactic. And if you are somebody who struggled with anxious attachment style in the past, then you're really susceptible to falling for love bombing and that being swept off your feet notion. And again, I just want to interject with a caveat here that beautiful, healthy love and long-term partnership can include all these things and, and often does include all these things. There's so many moments of feeling like you're swept off your feet and moments of romance and passion and connection and chemistry and attraction to this person and love for your story, no matter how it started. And those things are built on a solid foundation of what actually matters. So I'm not saying that you can't have all of that passion, joy, excitement in healthy love. It's just a matter of, of how it comes in, what it's built upon, and what you're actually screening for in your romantic life. So those are the things, some of the things that we think matter. And you can evaluate for you, thinking back on your love life, thinking back on you know, your favorite rom-coms and Disney movies and fairy tales, what have you taken away from those about what you've been projecting onto how love should look? When what actually matters in relationship are things like communication, trust, vulnerability, honesty, self-awareness, healthy boundary setting, going to therapy, and intentionality, these are the qualities and traits that we want to look for in any potential partner. You know, can they healthily and effectively communicate their feelings, their emotional experience? Can they be a safe space to listen to when you communicate and hear what you're saying and reflect back what you're saying? Are they somebody you can trust? Have you worked on your ability to trust other people? Are you both able to be vulnerable with one another, honest with one another? Are you both self-aware, is this person aware of their patterns, their past, their history, their triggers, their traumas? Have they gone to therapy and worked through some of the harder elements of their past? Are you both able to set healthy boundaries so that you can create a sense of interdependence where you're both whole people still and you have your own healthy, fulfilling, enriching lives and you come together to build an even more enriching and deep relationship? And just, again, that intentionality of, of knowing that you guys are choosing to come together in love, that it's not just like, oh, I met this person and they were the one and like I have to be with them because it just feels like, you know, I can't imagine my life without them. But in, instead, being intentional about knowing that you can lead a healthy and fulfilling life and yet this person is somebody that you choose to build a partnership with and choose to show up for love and connection each day, even on the days when it's hard, because there will be days when it's a little bit harder than others. 
And I could do a much, much deeper dive of all the things that matter in a relationship, but I think those are the handful, a handful of the really important ones. And you can tell that there's a distinct difference between a quality like vulnerability and self-awareness and intentionality versus how'd you meet? How do they look? Were there sparks? One of them is instantaneous and fleeting and the other takes time. It has depth, it has richness to it. It has lasting power, staying power, sustainability to it. And so when we think about the difference between fairy tale love and healthy love, I think healthy love is just more of a slow burn. And then the elements of fairy tale love can absolutely and do often come in along the way. And that just makes for an even more beautiful, richer story. And again, I'm a fan of love. I'm a fan of romance. I'm a fan of all those things. I just want it for you in a way that is sustainable, in a way that honors you so that you're not losing yourself or giving yourself away along the way and same for the other person it's built on healthy reciprocal mutual love and trust and understanding of one another and that's what you we all deserve and it's just a matter of being willing to be a little patient to wait for that because it's not as um you know as much of the instant gratification as that fairy tale love has so just something for you to consider and reflect on in your own life. What are the stories and narratives that you've been maybe subconsciously subscribing to that have kept your love life a little bit limited? And how could you broaden your scope of what love looks like so that you can see more potential matches and you can feel into a healthier version of fairy tale love and still get all that excitement? So reflect on it. Get back to me. Share if you had any aha moments. I love hearing from you guys about, you know, what what's coming up for you and what's shifting for you in your love life as you work through these concepts. And as always, you know that if you want to dive a little bit deeper, you can work with me in a one-on-one capacity. Reach out on my website and we can explore what's going on in your love life. But for now, I'm really excited to dive into another member story from the self-care space. So this um, member is going to share a little bit about her experience, what healing tools really worked for her, and she has really valuable insight that I'm excited for you guys to hear, um, just in terms of what kind of, what the healing path has looked like for her. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Anita, and at the end, I'll share a little bit more about how you can join the self-care space if you're interested. Hi, Anita. Thank you so much for being here to chat with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for being a member of the self-care space community. I'm so glad to have you um, in our community and that it's been such a beneficial experience for you. And I'm so excited to hear more about your story today. Oh, yeah, of course. No, I really love being a part of the self-care space. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's definitely nice when you're going on any healing journey or, or trying to move through anything in your life, especially the heavier chapters, it's always nice to be a a part of a community of people who kind of get what you're going through and can be there just as like a sounding board or a resource to know that you're not alone. Yes, definitely. And the self-care space is a super safe place too. And it's just great to know that there's other people, you know, you don't feel alone. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I think for 
you know, me at the beginning of my journey and so many women that I talk to is like feeling like we're alone in our struggles. And the reality is we're really not. There are so many people out there going through similar things and you just have to find a way to connect with them. Yes, exactly. So I'd love you to just share a little bit about um, your journey and your where you were at prior to joining the self-care space and some of the things you were kind of working through in your life and what those have looked like since you've been a member. Yeah, of course. So um, I was in a three-year, like, emotionally abusive relationship, so I had a lot to heal afterwards, and um, because after, like, getting out of an abusive relationship, you don't really realize until after that you kind of pick up on, you know, pick up different patterns. Like, for example, in the way I would, like, in my now relationship, I would just react in when something would come out, come up, I would kind of react in a harsh way, or I would always like try to start fights because in the emotionally abusive relationship, I guess I kind of became addicted, I guess you could say to the flight or flight response of the ups and downs of that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I really had to, you know, kind of learn to take a step back from that and, you know, be like, okay, wait, am I, only reacting out of my past relationship or am I actually reacting to what's going on now in this relationship? Mm -hmm. And so after joining the self-care space, I actually began to like heal those parts of out of that abusive relationship. I became so much more kinder to myself because I would beat myself up, you know, like, why did you allow yourself to stay in a relationship like that for so long? But then I kind of started to heal that and became so much more kinder to myself. I really started to heal those hurt parts of me and the insecurities that I've built up from that relationship. And so one of the biggest things for me has been, I started to um, heal those unhealthy patterns that I picked up after that relationship. And I started to become more aware as well as about those patterns. And from the self-care space, I picked up a lot of great tools and from the journal prompts and the workshops that they provide. Um, But I think that's been the biggest thing is I noticed a huge change in the relationship with myself. And then the way that I am now in my new relationship, I started to begin to pick up healthier patterns and I don't react the way I do anymore. And I handle situations a lot better and take the time to reflect before I react kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, that is so huge because as you were mentioning, most people who are in an abusive or toxic or just unhealthy relationship even can get stuck in a state of nervous system dysregulation where you might be caught in that cycle of fight or flight. Or for some people, they might be stuck in the freeze response and just be super like disconnected and shut down and dissociated from their body. For some people, they get stuck in the fawn response, which is like the cycle of people pleasing. And when you're in it, it's really hard to tell that you're in it. And yeah. Yeah. And like you said, once you took the time afterwards to really reflect on that and look at, okay, how is this working for me? Like, how, how is this showing up in my relationship? 
to myself, number one, and then also how is this triggering me in my relationships with other people? And that's not easy work to do, but it's, it's so courageous and impressive that you did it. And I'm just really grateful for you sharing that because I know that there are so many other women out there who might be coming out of similar types of relationships and just feeling defeated maybe or broken and your story can give them so much (laughs) yeah of course yeah no it was a lot like before I started the self-care space I kind of just you know didn't take the time to become aware and after a while I kind of was like okay wait I need to take a step back and begin to really work on myself and figure out where these um deeper things are coming from and like dove deeper into like, okay, where are these feelings actually coming from? Yeah. And I know one thing that you had mentioned to me, you know, prior to this conversation is that the self-care space had allowed you to dive deeper and dig deeper than you had previously in traditional talk therapy. And I think that's something that is really common in a lot of people's experience. So I would love to hear a little bit more about for you, what do you think made the difference and allowed you to dive deeper here versus your experiences with traditional therapy in the past? Yeah, of course. So like with talk therapy, you kind of just, you know, you sit there with your therapist and you talk about everything. And then after the appointment, it's kind of like, okay, I brought up all these feelings. So now like, what do I do with those feelings? Like, where do I go from here? And you're kind of like, okay, well, now I don't know what to do. So, but with the self-care space, with each lesson that you're giving, you are also given journal prompts, which allows you to kind of reflect on those feelings and then dive deeper into those feelings with the journal prompts that you're giving. So it actually allows you to really reflect on like, okay, what is coming up? Why am I feeling like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you really hit the nail on the head there, which is a common experience for a lot of people. And it's not to say that there's anything wrong with talk therapy. It can be really beneficial for a lot of people in in many different situations, but oftentimes it does get to that point where you're like, okay, I talked about these things, but now what? Like at best, I see my therapist maybe once a week or every other week. And then there's all that in between of like, how do I continue to heal and dive deeper? And like, what do I actually do when these triggers are coming up? Yes. (laughs) And like, plus the self-care space, they also offer many, many workshops with different professionals, which also has given me a lot more tools as well. Mm, yeah and, and that's yeah it's it's a great way to kind of like round out your um toolbox basically yeah you have all these different options that you can turn to when you're when you need it in the moment yes like I've picked up one where it's like she one of the at one of the events she talked about you know like kind of like holding a object that you can kind of basically throw away like a rock or something and kind of speak out loud about what you're feeling and what you're going through or whatever, and then put all that into it and then throw it away. So it's basically like you're throwing out that negative energy. Oh yeah. That was our event with Courtney Lee, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love her so much. She's one of my, our favorite advisors. (laughs) Yes, mine too. But it was like, it was a really great tool to just as a way to like put all your negative energy and just kind of release it. Yep, absolutely. Those little symbolic things can can be so powerful, even though they seem so simple, they can really make a difference. Yes, they really do. And then obviously, in addition to that, we we like to offer more somatic tools as well, because like 
like we were talking about, talk therapy allows you to process things cognitively, but we also have to process things um, on a physical and emotional and somatic level too. And so we offer things like um, breath work and meditation and different movement practices that are tied to the lessons that you're going through. So like, as you're doing those journal prompts, you can also do a practice that helps you move the emotion through your body and then release it. Yeah. That's one of the many things I love about it too, is like, it's not just one thing you're focusing on when it comes to like your mental health. There's so many variety of things like the sound baths. Like I didn't even realize how, you know, helpful a sound bath (laughs) is until, So it's just great because it's like, it doesn't put one category of mental health. It allows you to utilize all these different tools that you wouldn't even know would help you. But after the event, you're like, oh, wow, this actually really does help me. I can add this to my toolbox. Yeah, exactly. Because basically it's like all of my 10 years of, of research and both personal and professional experience. I'm like, okay, I just want to put that all in one place for everybody so that they don't have to work so hard to discover yeah. these things. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things that I've picked up that I wouldn't even have thought about. Yeah. Some of it can seem like out there at first and then you try it and you're like, oh, I actually kind of feel better after that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing with like journaling. I always would, you know, everyone, I would see people on like Instagram, like journaling has helped me so much. And then until the self-care space, I finally, you know, with the journal prompts, I was like, wow, okay. Journaling actually really does help. Like, oh, that's amazing. So you didn't really journal much before the self-care space? No, not at all. I would like see people on Instagram. I'm like, I'm not sure that would actually work for me. But after joining the self-care space, it really has helped me a lot and has become one of my favorite things. That makes me so happy. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. It is really profound when you like, just start to ask yourself the right questions. Like you're not just staring at a blank page. You're actually choosing a productive question to help you get to the root of something. Yes. And each journal prompt is surrounded about what you just learned that day as part of the lesson. So it's like, if it's perfect with everything, yeah, yes. you can dive deeper into everything, each exactly. topic. <laughs> so I obviously everything that you've shared already in my mind is like such a huge win with the growth that you've had uh, coming out of your abusive relationship and even just like taking up the habit of journaling. That's a huge win. But if you had to choose, like, what is one of your favorite or your biggest wins that you've experienced since being a part of this community, what would you say? I would say definitely, I think, would be the relationship that I had gained with myself. Mm, I think I'm now more able to trust myself again, because I think after being in that relationship, I lost a lot of trust in myself. And now I really put in the work to work on myself and now I have a better relationship with myself. I love that so, so much because oftentimes what I hear from people coming out of unhealthy relationships, or there was a dynamic where, you know, something happened, maybe they got cheated on, or there was a betrayal of trust. And the, the sentiment is often like, oh, how can I learn to trust other people again? But I think a lot of people neglect to address the fact that many of us are out there not trusting ourselves and our ability Mm -hmm. to to choose a healthy partner or our ability to leave when we see red flags and having that trust in yourself is so, so important and just like foundational to that innate um, connection and love you have for yourself. So I'm really, really happy to hear that that's something that has grown and strengthened for you. 
Yeah, thank you. And thank you for creating the self-care space to allow me to really do the work. (laughs) Oh, it's truly my pleasure. Like, honestly, nothing makes me happier. I'm just like, so glad to, to see women like you being a part of this space and getting benefit from it. And yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, so grateful to you for sh- being willing to share your story as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I know that there are so many people and women out there who are listening to this, who are hearing maybe a bit of themselves and their own story and what you've shared. So thank you for being an example for them and showing them what's possible. Yeah, of course. I do hope that this could help someone. Yeah. For for anybody listening, if this resonates with you, we hope that you join the self-care space and we'll see you in our community. And if you know anybody who this might resonate with it uh, with, please share it with them as well. And thank you again, Anita, for coming on and chatting today. I really appreciate your time and I'm so excited to see you at future events. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Thanks everybody who is listening. So just a quick reminder that if you are interested in joining the self-care space, which is our self-guided therapy membership, it has everything that Anita and I chatted about, all of the self-guided programs, live events and workshops, free group coaching, mental health toolboxes, and so much more, you can um, head to the link in our show notes, check out um, www.yourselfcarespace.com to learn more, and there's links to sign up there. Um, If you are currently a student, we also offer a student discount for new members, about 20% off, and you can find that on our website as well. And again, if you're interested in more kind of intensive hands-on work, I have lots of options to get involved with me in ongoing healing programs, hypnotherapy sessions, and more. So you can also check that out at my personal website, which is www.meganchair.com. You can follow both me and the self-care space on Instagram and TikTok. We share lots of fun and useful, valuable content there. So we are excited to stay in touch with you and hope to see you in our community soon. 